about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the exoskeletal Matt. Hello there. So, we're talking about Turn Left we today. Are. Yep. Interesting episode, this one, isn't it? Yeah, quite a good one. Uh, yeah? A couple of weeks ago, I think I said Silence in the Library was my favourite of this series. I think Turn Left is now. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I'd go as far as to say good episode. Yeah. Really liked it. Fantastic. Not a big fan. Really? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, yeah, so... There's one or two bits where... I, uh, yeah, but I think the idea is a good one. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I like the fact it plays like a greatest hits so far. Definitely. It's, it's, it, you, couldn't, you couldn't do an episode like this until you reach this point where you've got sufficient continuity yeah, to draw on yeah, and stuff like definitely. that. So RTD is definitely indulging a little bit with this one. I like to be clear. I don't think it's terrible. I think you know I, we'll, we'll we'll get there in terms of what why my overall feelings are maybe a bit mixed on this one. But anyway, um, so we, we, contextualize us as as you are want to do. When, okay. Where so are we? It's episode eleven, yes, series four from the twenty first of June two thousand and eight. There we go, two thousand and eight. So I would have been I would have been just starting to wrap up my uh, uh, uni. I would have probably just about handed my notice in at one job, ready for a new job in a new school after the summer holidays. Oh, exciting. So all change for us at this yep. point. And, and all change for uh, the for Donna and uh, the Doctor in this episode as well, yep. <laughs> in, a, in a manner of speaking. So, um, Well, you say for Donna and the Doctor. Yeah. Don't really see much of him. No, episode. you don't. I mean, we had a very uh, Doctor-heavy episode last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having a very Doctor Light episode this week, very companion heavy. And again, it, the, these Midnight and Turn Left were were written with the, with the intention of being very Doctor heavy and very very Donna heavy. Uh, basically, so they could record them simultaneously. They they were being shot at the Just same the time. Just the usual. Save some money yeah. before the finale. Yes. Spunk the budget on the finale. Yeah, absolutely. And and to be fair, I think they're both very creative ways around mm-hmm. uh, that issue. Um, and that's the thing. I, I can't fault this episode for its ambition and creativity. Um, I think my biggest issue with it is maybe is that ultimately it doesn't really amount to mattering much. It's with it being a, well, with it being an alternate light uh, timeline thing. It's like you know, it's not gonna. They're not gonna end the episode with it being permanently changed and the Doctor is dead and all of these dreadful right. things have happened. First of all, this yeah. is really weird that I'm defending it. And you're being sceptical. It is. But I think you need the final sort of five minutes of this episode. Yeah, maybe. A a version of them. But I don't think you need to tell this particular story. I don't know. You sort of... If if you ignore the key sort of plot of this episode, and you, you do need sort of the secondary plot, Oh yes. In order yeah. to set up yeah. I, the finale, which I'd, is going to lead that. to the final few episodes of the yeah. series. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy that. I, th- I think uh, ultimately, I find it's, it's it's effectively this this episode to me feels like a thought experiment. See, I think it's. I mean, I, I asked you last time yeah. whether we were in a three-part finale or a standalone yeah. or a two-part. Yeah. This is sort of the utopia episode that sets yes. up that finale. I think it's less 
I would argue personally that it's less direct than Utopia is. Utopia really feels like a like a prelude, like it's just you. By the time you you reach the sort of midway point level, you are just barreling into what the finale mm-hmm. is going to be. You don't quite get that same sense here with high. And for, 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 for full disclosure, here we're recording. We we tend to record two episode blocks. Matt has already seen uh, the two part finale, yeah. which is to come here. But so we've got that context when we're talking about this episode. But yeah, it's interesting what it is. And I think there's some amazing performances as well. And I think that's yes. really what stands out for me more than anything else in this episode. It's it's the uh, it's the performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shall we uh, get stuck into the nitty gritty of it? Yeah. So we begin with the Doctor and Donna. I'm not entirely certain where they are. I've just referred to it as future Asia. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's it's future slash space Asia, isn't it? Yes. It is another planet. Yeah. But let's be honest. It. it it looks like Chinatown in any given yeah. city. So and Donna sort of separates herself to go have a fortune told. Mm. And I've referred to it as a shady character. Yes. Now, did you recognise the shady character? I do. I could be wrong, because I've not actually double-checked this, but I was thinking it when I was watching it. Is it played by the actress who played Chantho in Utopia? Correct guess. One yeah. guess was all it took. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Chantha. Yeah, I kind of recognised her voice more than anything. Um, not as annoying in this episode. I used more annoying words, but then again, we let's not relitigate the Chantha debate. Yeah. Um, so essentially, she says, "Oh, I'll read your fortune." Donna says, "No, I've got no money." She goes, "Oh, it's free for people with red hair." Yeah. Donna didn't smell a rat at that point. Yeah, I mean that you think that's pretty sketchy, surely this point but but now she goes for it why not the doctor's busy debating some a weird fruit yes by the looks of it <laughs> so he's, he's he's got his own business to attend to and immediately donna starts having weird flashbacks yeah now as she does there's a weird scuttling creature that approaches her uh-huh and at the beginning of this episode i thought oh from what little you can see, well, it looks like a giant stag beetle. Yeah. It's a giant stag beetle. That's exactly what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is this creature? Yeah. It, and at the end, just a giant, giant stag, stag beetle. beetle. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it reminded me, have you ever seen the film Kronos? I haven't. By Guillermo del Toro? Oh, I think right, it was yeah. his first like, big yeah. American release. I think this one might be a bit of a heathen. I don't really like del Toro. Uh, from what I've seen, I uh, to be clear, I've, I've not seen that much. But I watched Pan's Labyrinth, which is what the one that everybody touts as his masterpiece. I fucking hate that film. Kronos no, is better. Okay. Kronos is basically about the hunt for this mechanical beetle that can halt aging. Yeah, I'll give and, it a go. And it latches onto yeah. you. You wind it up, and you don't age. Yeah. Yeah. But I think when it gets removed from you, you are the age you should be. All right. So it's like. People stealing it from one another, then they all turn yeah. to old men. All right, I'd, I'd recommend that. That's right, probably my favourite. Yeah, sounds a bit more. A bit... It, it's not yeah. as mental as Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Well, the trouble I have with Pan's Labyrinth is it it, it, it baits you. It, it, as me, as, as someone who, who loves like a, absurdist fantasy type stuff, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, this is going to be a, an, an intriguing sort of Alice in Wonderland type fantasy thing. It's like it's like ten percent that and ninety percent just grim 
Spanish Civil War drama. Yeah. And it's it's like, okay, fine, if that's what you want to do, but that is not what I signed on for when I, I decided to watch this film. So I just that it's left a bad taste in my mouth. Um well, no, his Hellboy films are pretty good. I never watched them. I really need to Hellboy two. Yeah. I'd recommend that. I know. People say good things. I need to, I, I need to give those a, a go at some point. But anyway, well, no, I haven't seen Kratos, but I'll tell you what I have seen. Planet of the Spiders, the final John Pertwee story. Oh, here we go. Go on. Um, well, it features at various points uh, cast members walking around with a big old spider on their back. Right. And it looks... It's. It's. I'll be honest, the prosthetics in that episode from like 1974 is about as convincing as... The, the episode uh, we've just uh, watched is that honestly it feels like uh, prosthetic big insect on your back uh, technology has not moved on substantially in the <laughs> intervening decades. I, I can remember as a child going to the York City Museum yeah. and they used to rotate what exhibits were in there yeah. and they once did one called like mini beasts. And they had giant animatronic bugs. Ah, so awesome. like, they had a giant praying mantis. And I just remember I really didn't like the stag beetle one. It yeah. just, just horrible. Well, they are. They're very fearsome looking, aren't they? With those big um, yeah. scythe-like mandibles and whatnot. So, so yeah, I mean, it's as good a thing as any to go with as an aesthetic. But, but I'll be honest, it does look a bit sort of cheap and plasticky. And it's when you see that prop up close the few times that you do in this episode, it's not brilliantly no. convincing is it no so in this flashback just to get back on course yes donna is sort of back in time where she hadn't started working at hc clements yes so we're pre-runaway bride yeah and her mum tries to get her this other job yeah uh, working for mr chowdry yes I believe. who runs a photocopying business there we go needs a secretary and what it all boils down to is Donna is on her way to accept one of these two jobs. Yeah. The fortune teller lady is like whispering into her ear, telling her to turn right. Yes. So that she won't accept this job at H.C. Clements. Clements. She'll never meet the doctor. Yeah. And his successes will never have happened. Yes. I mean, at first we don't realise that that's going to be the end result but but obviously she manages to con- to convince her to, to, to do it and so we see her turning right we see her taking this alternate path and from that point on it just it, it kind of snowballs yeah, yeah it's the sliding doors moment yes have you ever seen the film sliding doors Gwyneth Paltrow I think I've seen half of it it's all right from what I remember. Yeah. I don't remember it being terrible. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, if you ask me, have I seen, seen a film? The answer is almost certainly no. I'm really bad at having seen films. But you never know. You might pick. <laughs> I might ask. You might have seen one of them. Right. So then we get the title. So all this madness has happened before even the title. Yeah, it's a heck of a cold open, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So when we cut back, it's Christmas. So we assume it's in line with Runaway Bride. Yeah. And Donna has been promoted. She's now Mr. Chowdhury's PA. Yeah. And they're having, like, the Christmas party. I think it's just her mates rather than office colleagues. Mm. Because otherwise she wouldn't be telling them. Yeah. They would already be aware, presumably, of her promotion. But anyway, yeah. Presumably, I, 
do we see Neris? I don't think we get to see Neris. No, and then no. they managed to get the actress back. Who and I Neris. think in this episode, there's a bit where I think it's right at the end where Donna is gossiping about her friend, and yeah. it's not Neris. So yeah. where's the follow through continuity there? Yeah, shoddy work, RCD. Parallel universe, Neris could be dead. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> grim thought, but true. Yeah, yeah. Right. So as they're having. A hoot, an absolute yeah. whale of a time. Yeah. A guy bursts into the pub and says, There's a Christmas star in the sky. Yes. Except yeah. it's not a Christmas star, it's a Ragnar ship. It is indeed. So we're kind of seeing that whole moment from a different perspective. Yes. Uh, this time, you know, we're, we're on the ground and, uh, yeah, watching as, as it starts destroying bits of London. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned this when we watched uh, Runaway Bride. The British Army just starts shelling it. They do. But a lot of the shells just miss. Yeah. So, collateral damage. Oh, it's going to be brutal, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be doing as much damage as the ship itself. Um, but as they stood in the street watching the ship, Donna's friend can, but also at the same time cannot, see the creature on Donna's back. Yes. Donna gets a bit anxious in that everyone seems to be staring at her back, mm-hmm. looking past her, but her friends say, there's something there, but we can't see it. As good a point as any to maybe remind you of uh, what the soothsayer said to Donna back in uh, Fires of Pompeii. Do you remember when they were having a bit of a uh, prediction Do, off? Does she say there's something on your back? He, he, the, the, yeah, the main, the auger guy mm. says there is something on your back to Donna. So it was oh, seeded way back that. there. So you remember you were, you were complaining that it was completely pointless and didn't tie into anything else? Well... They should have acknowledged that in this episode, just to refresh my Yeah, mind. maybe we had a little flashback to it. Mm. Yeah. Would have been. Right. Yeah. So, the Ratna ship blows everything up. It's at this point the army are bombing it. Yeah. And the army reports that the Doctor has blown up the base of the Ratna. So this is that sliding doors moment. Yeah. We've had it all series, this idea that Donna is the person to stop the Doctor, to tell yes. him when he, he's yeah. had enough. Yeah, he hasn't got that here. At the end of the episode, when she stops him, that hasn't happened. Yeah. He's blown up the base of yeah, the and he's yeah he's he's drowned and paid the ultimate price. Yes, Doctor is dead. We see mm-hmm. see him being wheeled out on a stretcher. We see his hand falling limply, dropping the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, in a moment of uh, great symbolism. Now, I, I've written in my notes. Yeah, have we seen that unit man? He's just a guy in a beret, but as soon as I saw him, I was like, is he a unit man from another unit we episode? may have seen him in uh, the Sontaran 2 part. Maybe. I don't think he was important. He wasn't the no. one that was, like, palling it up with the Doctor. I don't think but, so. But, I don't know. But anyway, but but yeah. As the Doctor drops his sonic screwdriver, Rose appears. Yeah. But now, before, before we get there... I'm surprised that you're not a little more bothered by the whole "oh, the Doctor can just die from drowning" thing. Well, they 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 wave it away in the episode as like it happened too fast for him to regenerate. Well, whenever I've seen him regenerate, I don't know yeah. about old ones. It's where he's he's not dead. He's in like a terminal situation, and he knows he's going to die, so he like flicks the regeneration switch. If that makes sense. Yeah. So there's one where he gets blasted with all that energy and he just turns into David Tennant. 
Yeah. But perhaps here, you know, especially if he's drowned, yeah. his body won't be able to circulate oxygen. I guess, I guess you've, you haven't seen that many regenerations to have any kind of frame of reference. I've seen one. You've seen just the one. Just so. one. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I didn't Maybe it bothers that. me slightly more than it. But having said that, like, in some ways it bothers me, but also there's stuff coming down the line which makes me happy enough to go with it but mm-hmm. I st- it still feels terribly convenient to me it's just rtd wanted to write a story what if no doctor and so had to figure out a way to write him out yeah so uh, anyway yeah so that yeah. happens doctor's dead everything's gonna go to shit now part of me thought is he dead yeah because he's still got his sonic screwdriver and he drops it at a very convenient time yeah so part of me throughout this episode yeah, it was like, like oh he's, he's just gonna come back yeah you know. but no no he's he's properly he's, dead he's no, dead he's dead so yeah then rose appears uh-huh. now i didn't realize until i watched this and the concluding episodes yeah how much i missed rose really yeah i like her yeah and i think billy piper does quite a good job I think she does. It's a difficult... I think it's a very difficult thing to come back into a show that you technically left as more of a bit player. And she's given, I think, a kind of thankless role in that she's sort of... She's gone from being this friendly regular to this mysterious being. Yeah, plus she's gone from being like... Almost like Donna is here, like this wide-eyed child, yeah. to being like a grizzled veteran. Yeah, she's I think, all seen there, done that. I think the last time we saw Rose to when we see Rose here is very different. Yeah, she's Whereas, obviously been through a lot in her time. With so, her. for example, when we said goodbye to Martha, compared to when Martha reappears in the Sontaran, Martha's always been like quite a tough character. Yes. But there's quite a big change in Rose. Yeah, definitely. So, Rose can see the creature on Donna's back, but then she disappears. Yep. Then, due to the Ratnoff ship blowing up most of London, turns out Mr. Chowdhury lost some of his contracts, so he needs to sack Donna. Yeah. And Donna goes on somewhat of a rant. <laughs> you know. Donna handles it in the most Donna way imaginable. Yeah. It's the so only way I can put it. She outs the person that's been stealing from Petty Cash. Yeah. She makes sure she steals a hole punch on her way out. <laughs> yeah. So. She, she, she tells him to fire someone else instead because I think it's Cliff, she says. Uh, Cliff <laughs> just says, I mean, sorry, Cliff, but what do you do? Yeah. And he's just sort of sat there like, oh, oh. So, yeah, it's, it's a great moment. <laughs> and then we get an earthquake. Yes. Or what we think is an earthquake. But uh-huh. actually, it's the hospital disappearing. Yeah, from Smith and Jones. Yeah, and the greatest hits package continues. <laughs> yeah, because there's only one survivor when the hospital's yeah. returned, and it's, it's that, Oliver. It's that same bloke, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the guy who calls himself a hero. <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, he's like, he is a war survivor. He's yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's visibly he's, shaken. Yeah. He's not had a good time. He's a hollowed out husk of a man. And it turns out Martha Jones died. In the hospital, yeah. trying yeah. to save people. Yeah, so so we can scrap her off this as well. No doctor, no Martha. Yeah, and this leaves Wilf very worried. Yeah, 
right? I'm, I'm going to say something that has gone against everything I've said so far this yeah. series. I've said the best thing about series four is Donna. Uh-huh. It's Wilf. Yeah. Wilf, he might have even taken Face of Bo's place as my favourite character. I fucking love him. Every time yeah. he's on screen. He's amazing. I, I want him to be my granddad. Exactly. Well, we had this discussion <laughs> yeah. last time. Bernard <laughs> yeah. uh, Cribbins is just he's so good. He's amazing. He should have won an Oscar. They should have yeah. created an Oscar for him. Yeah, the special Bernard Cribbins Oscar. <laughs> yeah. That you just win every year from this yeah. point out. Do you know what? I'm going to give him it. I don't know whether he's got a Twitter, but I, if he does, <laughs> I'm going to find him. I'm going to get in touch and I'm going to say, you have won an award. He deserves it. He's, he's, he's so good. He's the best. Yeah. And and there's one particular moment coming later with him that I, I particularly want to highlight, but okay. we'll, we'll get there when we get there. And a bit of good news, though, in amongst all this, Sarah Jane Smith also died in the hospital. Oh, all her fuck kid you. friends. That's <laughs> not good news. What? All her little kid friends died as well, so they, they won't be off their face on soft drinks anymore. <laughs> well, that's a blessing, potentially, but, but come on, Sarah Jane's lovely. I'm. Again, I'm getting ahead of ourselves yeah. because I've watched the finale. Yeah. And I don't want to say too much, but by the end of this series, I think Sarah Jane might be my least favourite character. She might have overtaken Martha. Wow. Alright. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll table we'll, that discussion we'll, for yeah. later, shall we? So, Rose appears again in front of Donna, this time in a street, staring at the creature. Yeah. And she tells Donna... This Christmas, you need to get out of London. Yeah. So, we've had the first Christmas incident, Runaway Bride. We're now on Voyage of the Damned. We are. And she, um, Donna, one of the things she, she'd taken from the... Uh, on her way out, the, the door of the, uh, uh, the photocopy place she'd been working, was a raffle ticket. Yeah. Turns out she won said raffle. And she gets a stay in a country house. So she's out of London at Christmas. Yeah. And whilst in the country house, we see them spend the night. Wilf sleeps on the sofa. Again, before we even get to that point, one of my favourite Wilf moments of the episode when he's unpacking their luggage uh, outside the country house and he's wearing not one, but two pairs of reindeer antlers on his head. Yeah. He loves Christmas, just, doesn't just, he? Just, he is all in on Christmas. Yeah. So, it's Christmas morning, yeah. and the maid brings them breakfast, Yeah. and the maid can see the creature, and she says something, I think, is it in Spanish? Spanish, I think she is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, it didn't come up on the subtitles, yeah. so I couldn't translate it. I imagine it's something like, you've got a fucking beetle on your back, love. Yeah. Yeah. And... As they're enjoying their breakfast in bed, because Donna's mum never gets out of bed before ten at Christmas. Yeah. We see the Titanic fall on London. And yes. obviously it hits Buckingham Palace. Yeah. So where the doctor was able to pull it up and say hello to the Queen <laughs> on his way past. Oh, don't remind me of that moment. But yeah, yeah no, that, that doesn't happen. It smashes. And I think they did make the point in the episode that it was like nuclear engines or something. Yes. It was, so obviously it doesn't just hit London, it is a mushroom cloud. Yeah. So you see Donna, her mum and Wilf go outside and even from where they're staying, which I assume is fairly close to London, you can still see the destruction. Yeah. Yeah. 
And Wilf, again, another little heartbreaking moment, says he should have been there selling papers. Yeah. And it's nice. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, not only is that a lovely heartbreaking moment, it also finally confirms what we already knew, that it is yeah. the same character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole city is gone. Yeah. So because of that, Donna and her family, I think we get a little time jump here, are living in a hostel, and they're told that they can now move to Leeds. Yes, yeah. And So <laughs> everyone that should live in London is being relocated. It's, it's all of the south of England. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like World War Two, where yeah. we're getting people out of the city. Yeah, evacuating them. Um, but uh, And she doesn't get any say in the matter. They, they're sort of like arguing about where she could go and it's basically Leeds or nothing and I think the did they say Leeds or Glasgow I think I, I think she was saying that she wanted to go to Glasgow right. she said there'd okay. be more jobs up in Glasgow she's like um, no it's Leeds and I love that the bureaucrat lady processing them has a special rubber da- stamp that just says Leeds in yeah. massive letters just just, just go bang Leeds yeah. um, seems unnecessary like, do you like Leeds it's all right. Yeah. Anything south of Leeds is shit. That's my rule. I'm not going to fight you on that, despite the fact that I was born south of Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> but the good news is, when Donna moves to Leeds, they're sort of in this derelict street where yeah, people it's... are just getting assigned houses. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's cramped terraced houses. It's it's your, your classic yeah. sort of. It looks like the old Warburton's advert. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's almost like Victorian England. Yeah, yeah. But when Donna and her family get to their house, they're greeted by Rocco Colasanto. Yes, uh, and I, I I I'm gonna look up the name of the actor. I don't know who it is, but we need to give him a shout out for his amazing performance in this. Yeah, episode. he's pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Joseph Long, not a very Italian name, so yeah. suggesting maybe that he's. I mean, it's okay. It's a broad character, right? Because he's playing this very it, effusive. Ah, welcome. <laughs> he Italian, reminded yeah. me of Alexi Sale in The Young Ones. Yeah, as the yeah. landlord. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most over the top. Yeah, performance. I mean, he is basically one step away from being a Dolbio puppet. Yes, but. Having said that, I think it is absolutely what is needed in order to sell what happens later in the yes. uh, episode. Yeah. Um, so he's like, but yeah, he's this, this um, rotund, jolly Italian father figure. And he wears in and sort of says, you know, gives them the grand tour of, you know, not just his family with his like elderly mother living there. There's also another family um, that have got the upstairs and it basically turns out Donna, uh, Wilf and Donna's mum, whose name I'm suddenly blanking on, um, they have the kitchen. I like the way yeah. Rocco sells the kitchen though. Yeah. So he goes, if you're cold, turn the oven on. If you're hot, open the fridge. It's good. Yeah, that's like Homer Simpson's solution. <laughs> it is. But obviously, like it, you can tell behind all the jollity, he's putting on a brave face. Yeah, you know, yeah. everyone in this situation is because this is it's it's worse than wartime conditions. Yeah. Almost it is because just when you think it can't get any worse, and Wilf says, "You know, don't worry, America will sort us out." Turns out America is plagued by the adipose from <laughs> partners in crime. Yeah, so. <laughs> he, Again, you see Wilf's mood just 
absolutely 180 yeah. from trying to be that voice of positivity yeah, down just, to no. Yeah, just crushed once again. And we see Donna's mum lose all hope. Yeah. She's just can't comprehend what's going on. No, because, I mean, I think Donna's mum is a really interesting character in that she is like an archetypal Little Englander kind of. She She's comfortably off. I mean, she's had some hardship. Obviously, she's lost her husband. She's, mm-hmm. you know, her life hasn't been without its trials and tribulations, I'm sure. But, but at the end of the day, she's had a very, I would imagine, a fairly comfortable, happy life. And she's always had that kind of hardness and small-mindedness mm. and kind of that without wanting you know no f- given the political context the moment, fuck it i don't care who who i annoy right now daily mail sort of reading attitude yeah. that's kind of the vibe i've always gotten from donna's mum yeah. um but here we see her she's having been put through the ringer she just doesn't know how to handle it she's just broken yeah um so donna tries to comfort her they're trying to go to sleep, but Rocco's family are making a lot of noise. So Donna, having a bit of a sing song. Yeah, Donna barges into the room to sort of you know tell them to shut up and go to sleep. Uh-huh. But sighted amongst them, it's just Wilf leading the sing song. Yeah, another magical Wilf moment, yeah. as if we needed. More. And then we get a nice jump cut where Donna and her mum have joined the sing song <laughs> and they're singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, um, but that all ends when they hear gunfire outside. Yes. And it's a soldier just shooting his car because it's got an Atmos system. Yeah, RTD is just making sure every single Earth-based shenanigans he can get away with. It's all crammed into this episode. So, yeah. So, he thinks he can see the creature on Donna's back, this military man. Yeah. But their conversation's ended by, like, a flickering light. Donna knows... That means Rose is coming. Uh-huh. So Donna runs away to go see Rose. Yes. Um, this time, the Sontaran stratagem is saved by Torchwood, who ignite yeah. the sky. But, but sacrifice themselves in the process. Yeah, so Captain yeah. Jack is transported to the Sontaran homeworld. Yeah. I got a little bit excited there because I'd forgotten about Captain Jack. But yeah. it's always nice to hear about nice it. Nice little reminder, but, you know, he's out of the picture. And... It's at this point that Rose tells Donna what we were discussing earlier. She tells Donna about the Doctor and he died because Donna wasn't there to stop him. Yeah. But this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. Rose tells Donna something worse is coming. So that's why I think we need this episode because I've so far sort of said this series has been a bit rudderless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been what teasing the return of Rose, and now we're finally getting some payoff on that. And yeah, it is. It, it's teeing things up the finale for the finale. Um, I, I guess. Yeah, my counter argument is just that ultimately, it's all a load of like parallel timeline stuff. We know at the end of the episode, it's it's going to be wrapped up one way or another, and everything we're seeing ultimately isn't actually going to take place. But but Rose has been pulled across. From her other dimension, yeah, because all that di- all dimensions, all universes are in danger. Yes, in danger from the darkness. Whatever that turns out to be, mm. could be that rock band. Oh, it could be. Yeah, yeah. They, they were pretty big at the time, weren't they? Yeah, they believe in a thing called love. Yeah, <laughs> I saw I, them live once at Leeds you? Festival, yeah. and it was it was a bit heartbreaking 
because they played all their hits and yeah. everyone was loving it. And then they said, oh, here's some songs off our new album. And no one cared. No, because it was like, that first album was this, like this weird, crazy hit that nobody was expecting. Mm. And I think everyone like had had their fill at that point and completely lost interest after that first album they put out. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've never listened to any other albums by them. Uh, no. No. <laughs> oh, well. Fair enough to them. Rose tells Donna eventually she's going to agree to help. So Donna can't really comprehend this. She doesn't want any part of it. But Rose says eventually she will in three weeks' time. Yeah. But unfortunately, that means she's going to die. So she can put an end to all this at the cost of her own life. Yeah. Which Donna... It doesn't really help Donna comprehend what's going on anymore. No, I always wonder whether that's not really... Whether Rose could have handled that a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. But hey-ho. But anyway. Yeah, because if we go all the way back to the first episode, when the Doctor is explaining to Rose that there's aliens and... Rose doesn't take it that well herself, does she? No, that's pretty good. So, no. yeah, it's a lot for, for poor Donna to, to uh, take mm-hmm. on board. Now, I'm going to take a punt and guess this is the bit you wanted to talk about with Will. Yeah. Where Rocco is shipped to a labour camp. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. You have the floor. I mean, we've already praised uh, Cribbin's performance here, but when he delivers the line, oh my God, it's happening again. That's what they called them last time. Just chills. Yeah. Absolute chills. And, you know, I, there was a, there was a tear in my eye. And, you know, I, as we discussed this, I, I cry at the drop of a hat, really. Mm-hmm. But but there were some very sincere tears going on and, and, and in this uh, that moment. And it gets me every time because it is such a powerful moment. And, um, yeah, it's it's... It, it, this episode is it, I think this is this is the bit that, this is kind of the moment for me for this episode that, that I can forgive it a lot of its other shenanigans to get to this point because ultimately R2D is taking this opportunity to remind people of how easy it is to slip into authoritarianism and I, I can't help but get on my soapbox a little bit and mention the context in which we are recording this episode, uh, yesterday it was announced that our dear Prime Minister is basically attempting to just hit pause on Parliament so he can push through um, the incredibly controversial no-deal Brexit option without facing any kind of parliamentary scrutiny or, or, or um, obstacles to that. I'm not best pleased about that. That to me smacks of authoritarianism as well. Um, and Doctor Who has capacity to be a very political show sometimes in not always the subtlest of ways. You wouldn't call this moment subtle. Mm. But I do think it is a moment that has aged well and it, I think will be fairly timeless because it is, it's a horrifying little reminder that... It can happen to any country, to any people, at any time, under the right circumstances. So, and yeah, and and particularly Bernard Cribbins' performance is flawless. 
you, you, I mean, you always feel like there wasn't really much acting required for him, given his age and you know his life experiences. Um, so yeah, really, really powerful moment. So, does it help, given the emotional situation going on, that Donna's mom just calls her a disappointment? No, I would argue it doesn't, especially. I find it weird in that Donna's mum might actually be worse than Martha's mum, but I certainly like her more. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I mean, Martha's mum, okay, Martha's mum is, um, I think, w- was quick to jump to conclusions and, and was kind of played a lot by, by Saxon and his team. Um but I, I ascribe that in part, and to be fair, this is a lot of headcanon for me. We don't really get to see enough of her to, to, to establish it properly. But I get the feeling that given everything that was going on between her and her ex-husband and, and the sort of the emotional state that family in general was in, that there was a vulnerability there that could be exploited. I don't really know what Martha's mum, uh, sorry, what Donna's mum's excuse is other than the fact that she's a fairly awful mother. If you had to pick one to live with? Oh god, Martha's mum in an instant. Incorrect. No? The correct answer is Jackie. Oh, I didn't know she was an option! <laughs> well, she's always an option. Oh, well, Jackie, obviously. No, sorry, Jack- you, you've made your bed. <sighs> You're going to be miserable with Martha's mum. Oh. You're going to look out the window and over the road. It's going to be me flirting and getting off with Jackie. <laughs> and when I say flirting, <laughs> I essentially mean sodomized. She's a man <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> right. So Donna, at this point, realises she's ready. Yeah. You know, if she can help, she has to help. Yeah. Things have hit up. a point with her. Yeah. So they go to some sort of unit base. Where they meet Arissa Magumbo. Yeah. I just made a note of that because I thought it was a really silly name. I mean, or you could just <laughs> argue an African name. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, Thanks for making me sound racist. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's kind sorry, of we're moving on, we're moving on, we're moving <laughs> on. So, Unit have the TARDIS. And they can use it to see the creature on Donna's back. Yeah. And it is just a giant beetle. Yes. It feeds off time. Off wasted time. Yeah. Now, it would have a field day in my household. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, it's this idea of potential time. This idea that all Donna's time spent with the Doctor now has been wasted because she's in this weird alternate reality. Yeah, it's... I, I would say it's not a million miles away from the Weeping Angels. If you think about what they would do, they would displace someone in time mm-hmm. and then feed off the residual energy of that life that they should have had but didn't have in the you know preceding years. Mm-hmm. So I think it's sort of a similar concept. Right. Now, I, I'm going to warn you now, because yeah. I'm going to make a point in a few moments that is going to result in an apology from you. So I just want you to prepare and All right. plan an apology. All right, I'll give it a okay. go. Because they want to use the TARDIS, they power this machine... To make sure Donna can go back in time and she's going to accept the job that makes her meet the doctor, blah de blah de blah. You accept that's what's happened here? I mean, sure, I guess. So we're going to go back in time and we're going to meddle to make sure this happens. Right. 
Correct. Yeah. Why then are there no time dragons? Because this is exactly the scenario <laughs> that warranted, if we go all the way back to Father's Day, yeah. is that series one? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. This is exactly the scenario, and you've ad- accepted that. Yeah. So where are they? Well, it's not my fault, is it? I don't have any say-so. It's absolute bollocks. It's because... I've waited three series. <laughs> Every fucking episode, I'm like, could I fit the time dragon in? And here we have the exact scenario. Yeah, I'm not going to dispute that. Um, all I can say is it's Doctor so, Who. So yeah, so go back. Oh, we've pointless. saved the Doctor, but yeah. wait, people are locked in a church because there's horrible dragons yeah. in the sky. Yeah, it's not that good. This episode, then, is it? Actually, is the no. greatest hit because it. Yeah. Oh well, I'm going to chalk that up. Matt one, <laughs> RTD nil. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, Doctor Who does not doesn't do continuity terribly well. It's it's it, it's it's quite choosy about what it decides to actually well, yeah, revisit. I mean, look at Wilf. <laughs> yeah, you know, he does one good episode. All of a sudden, he's Donna's granddad. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, right moving on. Donna realizes that her. Advice, well, not advice, but Rose's statement that she'll die isn't necessarily true. What she meant is Donna won't die, but this reality will. This version of Donna will die. Yeah. Okay. But unfortunately, Rose just goes, nah, you'll probably die too. <laughs> but I don't think she says it. Does she just, I think she just she fails just sort to of answer. shakes her head. Uh, yeah. So they zap Donna back in time. Yeah. She's got to do something to make sure that her past self turns left at this junction. They, they think they, they deposited her in the right area. Yeah. But she's half a mile away. Yeah. She's got four minutes to spare. Yeah. And thankfully, I didn't think this was going to happen this episode. But this is the bit where we get running about for a bit. Yeah. Of course there's going to be some running about. It's yeah. Doctor Who. So what she does to ensure that her past self turns left is she goes to the right of the junction and just steps out in front of a lorry. Yeah. Now, that version of Donna would surely then, if she's been hit and killed, there would be a coroner's report that would have gone to Donna's mum, who could have identified the body and said, yes, this is my daughter, but my daughter's still alive. What the holy hell's going on here? I think because it is a paradox... The moment that she intervened and caused Donna to turn left, that is the moment at which that version of Donna ceases to exist because that was the turn right Donna. No. So I think she would have just faded away. Now, did that happen when Pete ran Pete over? Um, I can't remember, but I can say in Father's Day, if you recall, when the Doctor and Rose first go back because because they've already gone there once and... Rose chickens out, so the doctor resets and goes back a few mm-hmm. minutes, and they're, and they're standing there looking at their own backs. And then Rose runs out into the road to save Pete, and the do- doctor and Rose turn to be like, "Oh, what's going on?" And at that point, they cease to exist because it's interrupted what was in their original timeline, uh, and they just fade away in that moment. So I think 
my headcanon is that that version of Donna, because it's the turn right Donna, and Donna has now turned left, will just fade away and no longer exist. Okay. I'll give you that. So, as she's dying, because she doesn't immediately fade away, uh, Rose gives her a message for the Doctor. She says, it's only two words. wonder what that could be. And due to this death, Donna becomes freed from the creature. Yeah. Because that time's no longer wasted. Yeah. The Doctor appears, and the Doctor says that that creature is from the Trickster's Brigade. Sure, whatever. And nah. Does that mean anything? Nah, just the bullshit. Just like, <laughs> all episode, it's like, what is this creature? And he goes, nah, it's Trickster's Brigade. Doesn't mean anything. Sounds cool, doesn't it? You know, even if he just went, oh, it's a uh, Flopian from Planet Flop. That's more in keeping. I want to know who this trickster is now and yeah, what his brigade's all about. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some like short story in an annual or something like that where someone written something about the trickster's brigade. Because y- you, you can guarantee that the wider Doctor Who fandom leaves no stone unturned. If so, there's a casual mention of something, someone would have at the very least written some fan fiction about it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, as far as I am aware, Trickster's Brigade, no, not a clue. Should Nothing. we write our own fan fiction? Yeah. I mean, yeah Why be, not? You know, we'll get in touch with Big Finish. Oh, yeah. I'll play the part of Trickster. You play the part of the Brigade. <laughs> Sorted. There we go. Uh, right then. Right, so the Doctor says, there seems to be a lot of coincidence around Donna. Something bonding them. Yes. You know, he says, for example, I met you, then I met you again. Yeah. I'd met your granddad. Yeah. There seems to be something going on. So Donna tells the doctor that she'd met Rose. Yeah. And it turns out the two words were bad wolf. Sure. It's good to, yeah. good to have that back, isn't it? Yeah, you thought you were done with it. Yeah, we've had two years off of that. <laughs> but here we go. Yeah, so we look around. And all the posters. Yeah. Now, I didn't go back and check this at the beginning. All the posters in future Space Asia yeah. now say Bad Wolf. Yeah, they didn't I, at the start. They don't at the start. No. So the Doctor just says, oh dear. Yeah. And Donna says, well, what does that mean? He just goes, the end of the universe, the end of everything. I mean, how does he know that? Well, it must he be pretty. didn't mean that last time. I mean, it's significant. Well, but what did it mean that. last time? Just that it she just... gets all the power. Yeah. yeah but and it... she becomes the Bad Wolf. Yeah. Exactly. Her, her, her thing was she, was she created herself by taking the words Bad Wolf from Bad Wolf Corporation, scattering it through time and space as a basically breadcrumb trail to lead her back to that moment. Yeah. So, doesn't mean the end of the world, does it? Just means Rose, effectively. Yeah. But anyway, uh, anyway that's, the doctor, that's what we're going with. The doctor, you know, is pretty pumped about the end of the world. Yeah. Runs away. End of episode. Yeah. I like this episode. It's alright. It teases up nicely for a finale. It's got some interesting ideas. Cribbins knocks it out of the park. Yeah. You could do worse. Yeah, we've definitely had worse episodes. Oh, absolutely. Series. Absolutely. I would. I guess for me, I'd say it's, it's a 7 out of 10. Like, it's really, really solid, but ultimately I feel like it doesn't actually amount to much. It gives us a bit of momentum to go into the finale, but as a story in itself, it's basically... It's none of what we've seen really actually happened. Donna has a version of it in her memories, but it's not 
the yeah. reality that the show exists in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can see both arguments. Yeah. Like I'm surprised the, that the, didn't the, annoy the, you more. As the story's really good, wants... but it doesn't matter. Yeah, and as someone who generally, because generally I'm more on the side of defending standalone filler in inverted mm. commas stories, but for this one for me because it is. Because it removes the Doctor so early on, that I mean, it immediately re- removes any tension for me. Because I'm like, well, I know that's going to be resolved by the end of it because it's Doctor Who, mm. and you can't have Doctor Who without Doctor Who. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, it's alright. Yeah, yeah. Anything else we need to say? Don't think so. So. Yeah, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Uh, join us next week for the Series 4 finale. Yes. We'll be discussing uh, Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Yes. Until then, cheerio. Bye now. you wish to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at timenorspacepod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor